Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. So today's episode is on the topic of should you vote? And from the title, it might seem like this is a very straightforward, practical episode on presenting an argument about voting, but more it's sticking very much with the brand of the podcast and just giving you some food for thought and stuff to consider around this topic because I always get fascinated with this topic around election season, uh, it, you know, it, when people start talking about the election, you start getting interested in what's going on with politics and also around the concept of voting. And, and a lot of that is motivated by all of the the advertisements you start seeing around this time of year as well. And one that really stuck out to me is I saw this like advertisement when you're just like strolling through social media. I forget what platform it was, but it was like, there's nothing, there's nothing sexier than voting. And I just... I just found that so bizarre, just how the me- like the media and, and the social cues and, and everything that starts transforming when voting season comes up as though voting is just some virtuous duty thing we all must do. And maybe maybe it is. I'm not, I'm not like trying to give my bias here right now. It's just I find it interesting of how this simple act of voting is is try they try people try to frame it as this ultimate virtue. But anyway, people seem to enjoy the last one, so I thought, you know, why not? I'll the last political episode that is, and I thought, why not? I'll, I'll do another one. And and also, I, I did purposely kind of make it a more straightforward topic that. I think people are one interested in, and maybe two. This is where I can kind of try to help show that I understand the complex complexity that goes on in our political system, and I'm trying to, you know, not present stuff and and, and not everyone has their bias, but present stuff in a way that I'm not trying to tell you what your opinion should be, but maybe see what an uh, what the other side has to say, and maybe this one should be controversial to really test how much my audience likes me. So today, I'm not really going to put forward a strong position, just some thoughts, typical of me, I know, but it's a topic that I've been contemplating over the last few years because it's, it's something that has just never sat right with me. The idea of, of pushing, guilting, and pressuring as many people to vote as possible in democracy. Um, and maybe maybe you don't like those words that I just used, but that's that's the way I see it. And let me kind of explain... My reasoning behind that, because to me, voting for the sake of voting doesn't doesn't equal good, and that's that's the way it's framed in the those advertisements about voting, as though it's it's just obviously good. And when someone presents something as like this obviously good thing, I, I get I, you know my my skepticism starts rearing its head, and I get a little bit concerned, and it also just makes me really curious. So I'm saying we shouldn't be pressuring as many people as possible to vote. You, you have to, you know, you have to let me explain this. I'm purposely going to start with this as a vague statement, trying to keep you on the edge of your seat. Maybe some are, are, are a little, little angry right now because I know the spicy thing to say nowadays is to post on social media, vote, 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 get out, vote, motherfucker, because Orange Man bad. And yeah, Orange Man does suck. I get it. I, I think he sucks too. And also, trust me, I'm aware that this statement I just made about voting is complex. It's nuanced. On one end, I want as many people to vote as possible to keep those in power in check. I get the importance of the people, people, the average citizen having power. On the other hand, 
On the other end, human psychology might be currently getting in our way. So that's what we're going to dive into. But as always, check out the Patreon page for the bonus episode feed. It also helps support the show. And also, if you could, leave me a review on iTunes because I know not everyone, you know, financial times are tough right now and, and Patreon isn't for everyone, but it also helps a lot if you enjoy the show to leave a rating on iTunes or also just share with your friends and family. But I just want to say I appreciate everyone that listens. Um, you know, it's sometimes I have to remind myself that having thousands of people tune into every episode, it's awesome. It's amazing. I, you know, I, I didn't know where it was going to go when I, when I started the podcast and it's good to see some, some, the, the podcast not only evolve, but also grow. And yeah, I just want to give a little bit of a sentimental message here in the beginning of the episode before we dive into the topic of should we vote? And yeah, but let's get into it. Let's enter the labyrinth. So let's unpack this by adding some layers. Let's present some information about the average voter or Americans in general. So only 34% of Americans can name the three branches of the federal government. They are the executive, legislative, and judicial. Fewer than a quarter know who their senators are and about half are aware that their state has two of them. Most don't really know the difference between liberal and conservative, except that one is Democrat and one is Republican. Most have no idea what the Bill of Rights is. Most don't know what the FDA does or stands for. Now, I'm not pretending to be presenting some groundbreaking information or subject here. Issues of democracy have been presented since Plato and Aristotle, you know, around this idea of voting and democracy and politics, right? Aristotle being famously, you know, being famously considered or famously considering democracy the lesser evil form of government and Plato wanting a council of philosopher kings to run shit. Now, I'm not even advocating for us to stop people from voting. Obviously not. Because that grants dangerous power to the elites. As in who determines what an educated voter is? What is the truth? What is the truth in politics? We all see the issue with seeing the truth in politics now. You know, it's dangerous to give a council the ability to determine who gets to vote and who's not. But what is the best policies to be in favor of? Who knows? It's not very, it's not clear. It's not this clear, clearest day, like clearest of day thing that people want to think it is. So let's say we had a test to determine who votes, who would create it, who would create it and who would be able to create it without a bias. 
I don't see that as possible. <laughs> and that's dangerous. That's a dangerous, I think, also precedent to set. A slippery slope. So I'm not advocating for our epistocracy, which is this idea that we should have a council of voters selected in some way. I'm essentially saying voting for the sake of voting doesn't make you virtuous. It doesn't make you a good citizen. I might even convince myself partially by the end of this episode that being an uninformed voter and still choosing to vote would make you a less good, like a less good citizen, a dangerous citizen in some, to some extent, and even shunned for doing so. And don't get caught up on, the, on this current election. If you're in the camp of Biden, you know, the camp of Biden is obviously better or Trump is obviously better. That's not the point today. You will see why, hopefully. Hopefully I can help paint the, paint the picture here, but we'll see. But consider, consider this analogy on pushing people to vote. And this is a large basis for my reasoning, so take it for what you will. My assumption that I'm, I'm thinking most will agree with is because the data is, is pretty clear in this. Most people who vote know very little about politics or do very little preparation before voting. So I want this to shed light on why I take issue with pushing as many people as possible to vote. You know, imagine, imagine you have a, a test next week and you want to prepare. You would, you'd probably go out and, and study for your test in order to do well, right? That's typical <laughs> response. Everyone did this in school at some point if they want to do all well on a test. But this isn't a typical test. It's an essay test with a philosophical spin on it to keep it really with the brand of the show, this analogy. Which means all you have to do is present an argument for your reasoning behind why someone should vote for a candidate of your choice in the next election. The point of imagining it as this essay test, essay format, is it doesn't have a right or wrong answer. And I'm not even proposing we obviously do this. This is just like to imagine... If you're an individual trying to make a choice on voting, wouldn't you want to be prepared? And maybe this is the way to imagine how you'd be prepared. So, so like I said, it doesn't have a right or wrong answer. That's, that's the main point of this type of essay test. So you have to come to the conclusion of candidate X. No right or wrong. It's seeing if you can create your argument for supporting your preferred candidate with solid information and a solid argument. Now, no, no, no. Typically... In elections, when we push people to vote, we applaud people for just for just getting out and voting. We might ask who they voted for, but we don't really ask why. We don't ask why they voted for who they voted for. You know, maybe you do get angry at them, but you still really don't ask why. You just call them an idiot and be like, you're a fool for voting for that guy. He's a racist, or you're a fool for voting them, you snowflake, or, or I don't know, something like that, right? Typically, we don't ask why. We just assume that they're voting, you know, they're just, they're just being virtuous in the fact that they voted and said, this is who I want to, to help run the country. So, but if someone prepares for the essay test, presents a great argument for their candidate, I think we should applaud that vote. But if someone didn't do any preparation, took this essay test and wrote on it, my preferred candidate had a really cool ad on TV, they would receive a terrible fucking grade on the test. They would do bad. We wouldn't be applauding that. We'd be, you're a fool. You're a fool that didn't prepare for the test. We wouldn't be applauding that test, saying how well they did. We would say, man, you need to get your shit together. That's what we'd be saying. 
As a teacher, that's what you'd be sitting them down and saying. As a fellow citizen, another student in the class, you'd be saying, dude, do you need some help? Like, can I help you figure out how to form the argument or give you some information that might help form your argument? Something like that. So I'm saying we should stop pushing everyone to vote and instead push people to become educated voters. And I hate using that kind of word. Like, it is educated voters, but just people that are at least making more of an attempt to understand the basis for their votes. So, but what, but I guess it, the question comes up then, what even is an educated voter? Who gets to determine that? People don't have time to become well-educated voters. I, I fucking get that. Politics is draining. Like, I don't, the, the people that it's their whole life, I'm, I'm fascinated by. You know, where is the good information? What is a good, reliable source? Is it so easy for people to see? You know, if you've been told your whole life that a certain news outlet is the most reliable source of information, if you've been told that your whole entire life, people of authority in your life that told you that, it's going to be hard to persuade them otherwise because that's what they know. The people they trust and they probably still trust to some extent at least, they're still telling them to to check out that information. It's hard to pull people away from what they know because if if you pull people away from what they know, you enter them into a state of uncertainty and people like to be in a state of certainty. So, you know, the other issue comes in, is there too much information out there? I think these are great questions and difficult to answer. That's why I said from the beginning, (laughs) I don't have a clear answer. I just wanted to help raise some, some curiosity and doubt maybe. And all I know is I I question my ability myself of being an educated voter. I don't want to come across as like this arrogant person that thinks he has politics all figured out. I, I don't. And that's why I have this stance on this idea of pushing people to vote because I question my sanity and ability and knowledge in politics to vote myself because I want to make the best choice possible, but I'm also not happy with the choices. And what's the best way to change that aspect of not being happy with your choices in politics? Is it to vote or not to vote? Is it to vote the lesser of evil? If you're voting for the lesser evil, are you still complying with the the system in some way? Can you even change the system? Can you change the system if you don't vote? Is not voting exactly what they want you to do? Is voting what they want you to do? You can go fucking insane trying to contemplate what to think about this stuff. But I just take issue with most people not having good reasoning behind their voting choice. Usually it comes down to a team, which I covered in my last political episode. And the reason I say, uh, say a philosophy essay test is because the greater can disagree with you while still thinking you made a good argument to justify your choice. Now, part of the reason I, I like using the analogy because I think it gets at what Hannah Ardent I always fuck up her last name. I think that's, I've never heard it pronounced. I've read her name a million times, but I've never heard it pronounced. I probably should have looked it up before I said her name again on an episode. But Hannah Arden, wonderful philosopher, look her up. Um, She was talking about, and she had concerns of her own with democracy. She saw the rise of populism in the 60s. She predicted something coming. She saw it as necessary for democracy to remain healthy, that we have a healthy dose of debate to keep powers in check. We don't have that. We have populism as she grow concerned with. And the populism continues to grow. And there's a multitude of, of reasons for that growing populism. 
But with populism, you have tribes from around a proclamation of absolute truth. When these tribes form around truth, they enter into discussions around politics with justifications, agreements, and beliefs in their mind that they think preclude debate. They don't need to be touched. It's a given. That's dangerous when it comes to politics. It's dangerous because you enter arguments in bad faith. In the bad faith in the sense of you're not open to hearing the other side. Not that you have to change your opinion. That's not the point. But you're not able to understand the other side. And all this can kind of, it leads to people just choosing a tribe. Choosing a tribe for bad reasons and not questioning their beliefs. Not questioning their vote. They just vote for the sake of fucking voting. Because that's what people tell them to do. Oh, I voted today. Yippee. Oh, everyone give me claps on social media and say, good job for being a good citizen. Do you know the reason behind their voting? Was it, was it them being a good citizen? Or was it them being a foolish citizen? And should I even be calling them a foolish citizen for even, you know, am I wrong? I don't know. But I have a really hard time applauding someone just simply for saying they voted. So yeah, I'm aware that screening voters is dangerous. I'm the first to raise concern with any power structures. I love Foucault's work on that idea. Michel Foucault. But just because something is not legislated, that doesn't mean as a society we cannot create and discuss our own demonstration of virtue and justice. Become a virtuous voter. Just voting doesn't make you virtuous. Remaining open, politically questioning your views and trying to educate yourself can at the very least end you closer to being that virtuous voter. So maybe instead of saying, yeah, you need to vote, start with, hey, did you hear about this study? This policy idea? Oh, hey, this, this candidate group or, or think tank is, is pushing for this and it, and it seems pretty interesting. Start there. Don't start with voting. Start with these other smaller things that build up into a better, I think at least, a better way to vote. So I want to bring up some some work by Jason Brennan and Brian Kaplan. And, and these might be just divisive um, people, if you know their background a little bit, but I'm going to leave it out. You can look it up for yourself if you're, if you're concerned about the authority of these figures. Um, but one is a philosopher and the other is an economist, and they've done some interesting work around the idea I've been assessing today. It's just they're people that are willing to question this idea of voting because I do think this topic actually gets shunned by a lot of ap- academics I've noticed. It was hard to find work on this of like at least raising these questions, which also kind of motivated me to do an episode because um, I haven't really heard good um, backlash against mine. Even Even people reviewing their work, I noticed that they couldn't really come up with a good, you know, they, they understand the concerns, but it's more of like they almost come up with their own lesser of two evils of, oh, we should just push more people to vote because it's the lesser evil. I don't know. I just don't like lesser evils, maybe. But anyway, sorry, I got a little distracted there. Uh, Jason, so Jason wrote a book against democracy that was pushing for some model of epistocracy. But I think he'd even admit that it wasn't really pushing for what the solutions should be, but because many of the solutions could have devastating problems or issues of their own. But I think he raises some concerns that I have and, and, and support them as well with democracy. And one point he makes is that despite rising education levels, we have not seen the same rise in political competency. And 
One point I want to make is that the rise in polarization politically has, has, has steered the topics of conversation towards things that I don't find nearly as important as others. And maybe this is just my biased opinion again. But I feel like this is this is something there's the average voter like me is takes issue with. Because I think the fringe members on both the right and the left are kind of taking the narrative and then the media isn't helping this. So we have the right obsessed with with building a useless wall and, and freaking out because some corporations want to throw alt writers off their platforms. We have Trump more worried about banning TikTok than facing the riots. And, you know, this whole pandemic thing, <laughs> we have the left, you know, concerned with LGBTQ rights are, you know, thinking they're under constant attack when, when they've probably never been safer, even under this president. And maybe that's that one. Maybe that's a bold statement people will take issue with, but I think it, it's, it's, it's still an issue. When I say this stuff, it's, I like understand both sides are still concerned with those issues and maybe they have a, they should be concerned with those issues, but I'm saying is maybe we should draw our attention elsewhere sometimes because there is devastating issues going on. You know, they seem to forget, for example, that Obama wasn't pro-gay marriage and Trump actually has been. So, you know, he hasn't really done a lot of actions that would make me concerned for those things. But I don't know. My point is we have laws in place that throw people in prison for smoking a plant that hurts minority populations to a devastating degree. We have laws in place that target those minority populations that also put police in unnecessary situations that leads to all these fucked up videos we see of police shooting citizens. And don't get me started on the fucked up pharmaceutical industry and the problems with our healthcare system. You know, those issues and the reason, and maybe this is, this is my mind not understanding this correctly. It's like those issues should be on the front of everyone's mind because they affect almost everyone in the country. But Brennan has a good point about this idea of voting being altruistic and a a form of self-expression. He thinks it's bullshit. And I'm leaning that way. For one, it's, it's a multiple choice option. If you hate both Biden and Trump... What does it really say about you when you choose one or the other? What does it really say? Now, some will say that, oh, if you dare to vote for Trump, you're a racist. But we've been put into this box of this guy or that guy. How does it represent the complexity of politics? It doesn't at all. It tries to put you in a box that lasts the basics necessary complexities. Others want to bring up this idea that it's, it's your duty to vote. Maybe it's your duty to vote if you are well-versed on the issue and the reasons behind your beliefs. Brennan used an example of a farming to compare this idea of a duty to vote. He said, it would be bad if no one farmed. But that does not imply that everyone should farm. Plus, if people that lack political knowledge don't vote, then those that have political knowledge, their vote counts more. I'm also confused why people are so pumped about partisan voters that follow their party like a sports team. It's foolish. It's basically them proclaiming to the world, or to the country at least, that they've just decided to deny the nuance and take the easy road. 
And the worst part is many of them don't even think that's what they're doing. But I don't know. Like I said, this might piss off a few audience members, but that's fine. <laughs> it's not like a it's not like a political exam would work anyway. You know, that bitch would be ripe for corruption. Oh, boy. Boy, boy, boy. And something I've learned from this is you might push back and say voters don't need to be policy wonks. Correct. I get that. I'm saying the basics. But we're electing people that don't understand the policy. Look who's president right now. Voters delegate those decisions to a representative. Check out your state politics. Check with your local think tanks. It's a common joke. The policy world that most representatives have no idea what they are doing. What the policies they're pushing for will do. They just want something that is that is shiny and pretty for the public. And they say, look at, look at what I did. Look at what I did. And it's just, it's, it's not, it, it's a thing that's flashy, not the thing that's practical. Which is not usually in the public's interest. It's in their interest of, of getting reelected. Brennan makes another solid analogy, I think. Our voting system is full of, for example, uh, air pollution. The open-minded and knowledgeable voter is being suffocated by the negligence of the average voter. If you take it upon yourself to ride your bike to work while every other person in your area drives every chance they get, you're fighting a losing battle. And maybe voting is merely symbolic. Maybe I, have to, maybe I just have to accept that and keep my mouth shut on this topic. But I also think most agree that what is happening in our political system isn't, it is, it isn't working. So I thought it would be, be valuable to just raise some concerns about how we go about making meaningful change. Or at the very least, start the conversation. But as always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And tune in next time, because I'll probably get back into my more abstract philosophical stuff and have some other topics planned as well. Um, but as always, I really appreciate you all. And get the fuck out my labyrinth. <laughs>